0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Fully Booked uh, with Craig Touch, the owner and founder of Hidden Gems Books, myself, Roland Hume, talking about the wild and crazy business we're in of self-publishing and publishing, advertising, marketing your books. Today, we are thrilled to have a very special guest, Krista Lakes, who many of you, if you are into romance, might know for her very popular series of uh, billionaire romances. So we are super excited to have you here, Krista. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing really well. How are you this morning?
0: I am very well, thank you. And of course, we are joined by Craig Touch, the man himself, the owner of Hidden Gems, and a writer himself, who uh, in the same genre as me, it was MC Romance. So how are you doing this morning, Craig?
2: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, you know, uh, thanks for joining us, Chris. Uh, you and I met um, at a writer's conference in Vegas, uh, you know, or otherwise known as Adult Disneyland, in my opinion. But uh, the uh, that was a, a few years back, and, you know, we've we've kept in, in contact ever since. And uh, your husband, Sean, was on a few weeks ago as well. So, uh, you know, we really wanted to get you on, and you're a really successful um, romance author, and um, you write about... Uh, typically about, I guess, billionaire romance. Um, And so, you know, we thought we'd want to pick your brain about what makes that uh, popular trope and how it works and how you, uh, you know, your thoughts on writing it and all that stuff. So what do you think about all that?
1: Well, first, I'm really excited to be here. Um, yeah, my husband had a great time on here and so I was, I'm like, yeah,. Ooh. So yeah, I write billionaire romance. You can see one of my book covers backwards, of course, because the camera. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love billionaire romance, uh, mostly because it is basically a Cinderella story. Um, that's that's the big trope for billionaire romance is if you understand Cinderella, you'll understand billionaires. And billionaires are the modern-day Prince Charming. We don't have a ton of royalty left in the world that's easily accessible um, or that we're totally, actually interested in. And uh, we're, of course, not interested in real billionaires. I have, I know that Bill Gates is currently single, but I have absolutely no desire to uh, date him, though he would probably take some amazing dates. Um, <laughs>
2: Elon Musk, though he's, uh, is he single? Yeah. I think he's single. He's single. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's,
1: he's, he broke up with his girlfriend.
2: Yeah, he's probably a little bit better. I don't know how much time he would have to uh, spend with you, with uh, doing everything, including trying to buy Twitter. But you know, other than that, <laughs> that might <laughs> okay. be a perfect
0: relationship. I think my wife would think that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's right. But yeah, I, I like that idea. It is a Cinderella story. I haven't really thought about it in, in that perspective before. I guess you know the difference. Um, is in the nuances of your billionaire. Sometimes they're not quite Prince Charming, or at least they don't start off as Prince Charming, right? Sometimes they're like, you know, the jerk billionaire, and then you find his lighter side as the story goes on. So what are you? what's the type of billionaire that you usually write?
1: So I tend to write uh, cinnamon roll billionaires, uh, just sweet, gooey, wonderful, men um so probably not actual billionaires in that regard (laughs) um (laughs) but uh they are they're usually very busy with their lives and their business and that's what they focused on and so they haven't focused on the relationship side of their lives and then they find our normal but deserving heroine and get to fall in love and finally see that, you know, money can't buy everything and what uh, truly matters in life and get kind of some of those fun world life trope kind of things going. Um, yeah. So I, I love billionaires for that. And you're right. They can be all over the spectrum of that dark, broody, scary Christian gray, all the way to lighthearted, happy, go lucky kind of people. Um, yeah. It's
0: very interesting what you said about, you know, they've put that side of their life on hold. Because I always think one of the, the secrets to writing a a romantic lead who seems attractive is that you've got other stuff going on. Because it's like guys who are just chasing girls and that's their focus. That's not actually an attractive trait, is it? The hero always has something else going on. And I guess being a billionaire, yeah, you've got to focus so much of your time and attention to that.
1: It really allows for some interesting... Plot ideas. Um, you can get really easy enemies to lovers trope. You know, she's a um, a small business fighting against this billionaire mogul. And great enemies to lovers trope in there. You can get long lost best friends where they separated as children and now they're coming back together. Uh, but he's been focused on his business and that's why he's never found love. Um, you can have it even that he uh, started this business for her um as a semi-romantic kind of gesture and then that's it and it took off um there's 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 a lot of really fun things that you can end up doing with that business and then you can also get the um marriage of convenience kind of things where they need just a wife in the background or they need it for PR purposes or um it, it opens up a lot of avenues of opportunity that's very interesting
2: yeah, that I have I remember I wrote a couple uh, billionaire romances and that, those tropes are familiar. I think one of them was the guy had a resort and he needed to, you know, find find a, a girlfriend to satisfy his parents. And he didn't really want one. But, you know, it still they ended up
0: uh, falling for each other. So, yeah, those tropes all check out with me. <laughs> I definitely recommend them. Do you know? Speaking of that, I said, we all speak the same language. So when you when you said cinnamon roll, I was like, I know exactly what that means. But to, to people who might not have to be in in that so much, I was going to ask for, uh, about the tropes. It's like romance. I think all books, but romance especially has the the tropes that people like. Why do people like those tropes? And how did you you find your cinnamon roll trope? And why do you keep writing that?
1: Um. So I love the cinnamon roll trope where they're just warm and gooey people, and they're actually very sweet underneath, um, probably because that's what I like in my real life. Um, I, I don't really, the, the alpha hole is always appealing in a, a faraway sense. Like, I love the idea of an alpha hole, but actually marrying one would be terrible, Um Dating someone with that just alpha energy would actually be really hard. So um, I, I, I've, I've started several books being like, I'm gonna write an alpha whole super dominant, scary military dude and then he always turns into this sweet, wonderful gooey person. <laughs> um, and I think people like that. I think that um, I think everybody wants a little bit of sweetness in their life.
0: Absolutely, especially these days. <laughs> yeah,
2: for sure. You know, I think that there's probably um, two types of readers. Where, because we're writing, we're writing romance, but we're, it's it's fantasy, right? Where you know, these are most of us aren't going to meet a billionaire. Um, so, it, it, from that perspective, obviously, it's fantasy. But also, there are people that are like you, where it's like you like the idea of the alpha hole, but um, you in your personal life would never want to marry one billionaire or not. So, but then there, I guess there are people though, that for the romance that they read, they want them to be the asshole because it's fantasy anyways, right? They're fantasizing about that and they can forget about the realities of how they would have to live with that person and the kind of person they would be. And this being swept away and changing him and this and that. And then there's of course the ones that, you know, even though they're reading fantasy, they still want it to be more rooted in reality and have the person be the cinnamon roll, be be the sweet and gooey and and stuff. So I guess that's kind of like the two types of readers out there: the ones that want to just be completely swept away in a in a fantasy that they know is not at all reality, and the ones that want to have that bit of a link to reality where you know that's still a guy that they would like, even though they'll never meet him and maybe he never existed or never will exist. But but. You know, it's, I think that maybe that's the two types of readers because there's also, there's, you write all these cinnamon rolls and you do well with them. And then there's people that write those alpha holes and they do well with them. And so, you know, it's like, it's, it's an interesting, you know, I haven't really thought about it in that sense of the, you know, the types of person that would read them and what and what they would be thinking about and connecting with, like you're saying there.
1: Yeah. So. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, romance is a huge wish fulfillment. You get to have a million relationships with romance. Um, there's a, a popular TikTok going on right now where people are saying, um, I read romance because I have the mind of a slut, but a heart of a married woman, and <laughs> so that they get to live vicariously through these books. And it's true. I, I love reading romance because I get to fall in love every other week with a different man. And I get to come home to my husband every day. And I don't actually have to deal with any of those crazy situations, but I get to experience that high and that swoon factor, which is really what reading is all about is getting to experience other things, exciting things. Um, and so I love romance for that. And thus billionaire romance. Cause I, like you said, I will probably never meet a billionaire um, or at least I will never date a billionaire. Sorry, Bill Gates. Um, it's uh He's gonna unsubscribe I? now. I know, I'm so sorry. I uh, well, you know, if you want to take me out on a date, I am I am super open. And uh,
2: Is Sean super open with that too? Uh,
1: if if this is an indecent proposal situation, we've discussed with <laughs> He wants that million dollars. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I- I love romance because it's almost like Ben and Jerry's ice cream. There's a different flavor for everybody, and everyone has the flavor they like, whether it's. And so instead of Rocky Road and like fish food, you've got, yeah, friends to lovers, and you've got like all the younger age gap or whatever it is. But the, the escapist thing, romance gets such a bad rap. But then you think the escapist thing, where you get to live through vicariously through these wild situations, that's no different to guys reading James Bond books. Is it? it it's a. Uh, oh, yeah, it's like, no we Want to go to fancy hotels and drink wine and shoot people and be badass, and that's just escapist in the same way, romances they're the same thing,
1: exactly. Yeah, um, except for I, I do want to go to fancy hotels and drink wines and shoot bad guys, I just want a cute guy to do it with me. Like, that's the uh, <laughs> I'll take James Bond too, that sounds great. Um, so yeah, how did, it's, you, it's...
0: how did you get into writing billionaire uh romances? Like, did you start off what's, what's your history of writing? How did you begin? Uh, Your journey to get where you are now.
1: Yeah. So um, my very first book was, uh, someone told me I should write a novel. And so I wrote uh, New Adult was the new hotness at the time. And uh, I wrote this small town, new adult romance, and it flopped horribly. But I loved writing it. It was so much fun. And I sat down and I started trying to think of what I wanted to read, what I liked and I came up with this beach romance with a billionaire that had a secret marriage. And how would how would I meet a billionaire? Like what is how does one even meet a billionaire? So I came up with this idea of that this girl won a fancy vacation. So she gets to go to this amazing resort that she could never afford in real life and she meets this man there and they have an amazing time they get pretend married because neither one of them thinks that they're actually ever going to get married and they go their separate ways well oops he's a billionaire surprise um and then how that would transpire and that book um was saltwater kisses and that was actually so it was my second book and it hit the amazon top 100 and Uh yeah it was it was very surprising. <laughs> and, yeah,
2: I remember that book. That did really well, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I loved it and so I wrote a whole series of these billionaires who get to meet women who don't know they're billionaires and find that love connection that isn't based on money. And but but definitely benefits um you know they get to go on helicopter rides and um fabulous adventures and they don't have to worry about who's paying the check at the end of the dinner. Yeah. And there is definitely something very attractive about that. (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, that's uh, how I started in Billionaires. And then I just kind of kept going. And uh, the hardest part is just figuring out how does one actually meet a billionaire and in normal society? um, You know, how does a normal person end up meeting a billionaire is usually the basis for a lot of these books.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of it has to come down to chance, too. Um, I'm trying to think to myself about, you know, there's no female billionaire books that I can think of. I mean, there might be some out there. And then I'm thinking to myself, you know, why, whether or not that would ever, you know, sort of be a popular trope. And I'm thinking it probably wouldn't be. Um, and then I'm thinking, like, why not? Right. And I wonder if it's, you know, the the well, I guess, you know, when you write for a certain audience and romance is typically for women, um, usually your audience member wants to put themselves into that into the book. Right. They want to be they want to feel like they are the character. Right. So if you're going to say that the female is the billionaire, then it's much harder to imagine that that's your situation because it's not right so you're not going to be all of a sudden the billionaire in this in your own story and that's not like something where you can be like fantasize oh this could have happened to me well yeah in the in the male billionaire meeting you that could happen but in the female billionaire well first you've got to make a billion dollars (laughs) so <laughs> I think it's a harder way, a longer road to to, uh, to fantasize about
0: it. There are a lot of those super successful career women who go back to their hometown and meet their high school boyfriend who looks like he's broke, but she falls in love and realizes there's more to life than money. And then, it, oh, it turns out he's actually got a successful business on the side. That's kind of a trope, <laughs> isn't it? But you're right, they're never billionaires, but they are super successful women. Because I think women can maybe see themselves in that super... Uh, high-performing world where you're working a lot and you feel like you're missing out in life and those themes I think that resonate with a lot of people I
2: guess and they're and they're meeting other men that are also successful right I wonder why that is right is it because they feel like if they met the guy and he wasn't successful it would be emasculating they want the the masculine man that has the power like what is it that makes that you know I don't know that they find you find that a lot of the stories where the man is a popular romance stories where the man isn't the one that has that. And I wonder why that is, you know, is that a part of, of the trope.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, There are a couple of successful female billionaires, but they tend to be in series that are already established where they're, she's the sister um, who helps run the business. Um, But yeah, I think, Mm -hmm. I think it also comes back to that Prince Charming kind of swept away. He takes away all my problems, um, at least all my financial problems. Um, And that there is something sexy to that. And of course, being, you know, a strong independent woman who can take care of herself is a definite trope. And, um, you know, and if you're a billionaire, are you settling if you go down in social status there? You know, are you as women um, we're conditioned to, you know, from the Regency period, you must marry up, you must, you know, marry the Duke, you must increase your social standing. Uh, you know, that's a very common Regency kind of historical romance theme. And I think that's put into our world, even in modern day of you can marry better, you can do better. And so if you're a billionaire, how do you do better? How do you- I think there's a
0: word for it, hegemony of the, bearing up
1: that's yeah yeah exactly um you know how do you do better how do you how do you marry up if you're already a billionaire and how is he going to take care of you Um, trillionaire
0: romance it's a whole new genre you've just invented (laughs) the
2: trillionaire
0: (laughs) yeah well so and that's that's the thing is like but it's not
2: the opposite right because in all the in pretty much all of the of the male billionaire romance the women are not billionaires you know they, they might be successful or they might have their own um you know there might be strong women and stuff but they you know they're not worried about oh i'm marrying so i guess that's sort of like you know something about our society that says uh, maybe it's not a good thing or maybe it is i don't know <laughs> but there's, uh yeah
1: there is a said. lot of societal um norms and injustices and all sorts of stuff mm-hmm. that romance is built around and a lot of books touch on it and a lot of books just utilize them. Um, I think one of the really popular tropes for a more powerful woman falling in love with a a man are like the bodyguard romances. Um, You're getting away from that billionaire trope of the prince charming gonna fix it, take it all away, he's so busy with business, Um, but he finds time for you kind of feeling. And then if the woman is in that position, then you're going more into the, well, what she doing, and now we're going into what he brings. And so if he's a bodyguard, um, you get that really nice bodyguard protector and you can get some nice alcohol, uh, in there with that as well.
2: Yeah, and I think that that sort of is the same thing where it's like the bodyguard is like the the protector, but he's protecting you physically. And then the billionaire is almost like the protector. He's protecting you financially. You know, it's always this sort of male dominated, which is, again, it's like almost like a, I don't want to say sexist kind of role that, you know, that we all accept in our romance. But in real life, you know, people say, well, you shouldn't put people in those categories, but then people write it and people read it and it's still a popular sort of, uh, trope and a popular sort of dynamic between the male and the female. It's interesting.
1: I think people, what they can depend on. They, um, I mean, romance, we get a lot of flack of, they're all the same. Um, you know, it's, it's always the same boy meets girl, boy loses girl. They get back together happily ever after. And it's, some people don't like it because it's so consistent. Um, but I think that's actually part of the draw is that people like what they can depend on. And when they pick up that book, they know exactly what they're going to get. And if we follow these societal norms, then people know what they're getting. And they know you're, they're not going to be surprised. They don't have to think um, super hard. A little bit of thinking is good. Um, but especially romance tends to be a, an escape escapism kind of place so you don't want to have to think about these hard societal uh yeah is society doing the correct thing are we in the right place uh and even billionaire romance uh, most of it skirts around the ethical issues around billionaires um and don't worry this billionaire is a good billionaire he uh (laughs) that's usually in there somewhere is just uh oh he donates so much to charity and he works so hard and you know uh kind of justifying the
2: that's yeah
1: the idea yeah
2: what a brilliant answer it's (laughs) true though and and you think about it when like the the billionaires are never like um even the holes. they're not the they're not evil they're not like like Putin, where you know they got all their money by you know screwing over their country and stealing it, right? They they might be jerks, but usually their their billions are made ethically, and you know they you know they're not doing anything. They're not crushing the competition. I guess I'm sure there are some out there where like they're just they're they're doing
0: that, but I think most are not.
1: Right? There there are some. Technical-
0: a dictator romance, that new genre, sorry. <laughs> dictator well. romance.
1: Oh, no, 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 that would be a... Um, there are some where they are definitely ethically gray, but then there's usually a redemption arc for them. Right. Mm. And the woman brings them into the light and shows them that they should not be doing these horrible practices. Um, and her love redeems him and thus makes things better. So there are some where they're definitely... Um, you get that kind of mafia romance Mm-hmm. Uh, vibe where they're doing bad, bad stuff, and they're not good people. Uh, but her love transforms them, and they become better. Um,
2: yeah, mafia, MC, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, there's yeah. always that redemption arc. But I thought with billionaires, well, I guess there would there would be the redemption. But from the ones I've read, like they, they're usually like, you know, they're not. They didn't create their billions off of the backs of others. I mean, I'm sure there are some out there, but I think you know, probably the majority are sort of, they're, you yeah, know, they're more great, maybe in the gray, not so much like the mafia and the, and the, you know, the MC sort of
0: stuff where they're just, they're not usually good people, but they do have that soft side. <laughs> I think, I think with romance, like the it's right on the cutting edge of the cultural conversation, because if you view so many of the the tropes and things you could view in today's viewpoint as like toxic, but then at the same point, they're things that resonate with people. And that's why romance has them. And that's why romance is successful. And it's like, I guess, biologically, there are things that drive men and women and things differently that romance books uh, give you that, that fancy of. So maybe we, trying to judge them from the outside in is kind of um, it's it's it it starts to to approach like uh some a level of censorship where you're like okay you can't have romance novels with this particular uh angle because that's toxic and it's like maybe but then maybe we're having a deeper conversation when we think about what it is that makes certain parts of romance appeal to people
1: yeah no there's um there's been a lot of talk in romance circles um especially in regards to like racism right now um where books from 20 30 years ago had these very not good descriptions and situations because they're 20, 30 years old. And that was acceptable in that time. Um, I say as a definitely young person. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so, and then these books are being brought up in topics and well, is that, could we write that book today? And a lot of times it's like, no, we we could, but we shouldn't. Um, and how that progresses. And it it is really interesting to watch the genre, uh, progress and change with societal times and what is acceptable, what isn't, um, you know, uh, how acceptable are the bodice rippers kind of things. Can we make that, um, an okay scenario? How can we make it so that it, it isn't scary rapey, um, but in a in a good way, you know, like how and and how that changes with what society accepts is acceptable. It's it's I love it. It's so much fun to watch from a, a meta. Uh, and, uh,
0: and then there's way. just there's is there is a, a very valid point. That there is a large female audience who likes the good scary repeater thing. They actually like to read books like that. So it's kind of like it's, I think it's fascinating. I just think it's so interesting that it's like a market exists. There are people who enjoy this and then culturally we say no but then people as being human beings say yes and it's like where do you where do you uh, break the two apart?
1: Yeah, and and it goes back to that escapism too. Um, yeah. There's a lot of things in fiction that I would not want to do in real life. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> heck, I've I, I would, I love the idea of like being a dragon rider. That sounds amazing. I'm scared of heights. Like, honestly, that would be terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. (laughs) Uh, You know, like I I refuse to go skydiving yet. That's basically what you do if you were a dragon rider, but I love the idea. Um, And so I think there's a lot of things that, and that's a very benign example, Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of wish fulfillment and what would happen and, I like that we can explore that in fiction. And
2: yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, we were actually, before you joined, um, Roland and I were talking about um, the, uh, the Will Smith Academy Awards sort of thing. And it's almost like we're seeing in real time, what people are really thinking about sort of some actions that maybe in a book where a guy gets up and, hits a guy that insults his wife (laughs) is more acceptable, but then we see it in reality. And, and then, you know, and it's actually, it's interesting because people are kind of mixed, you know, online, a lot of people are defending it. And a lot of people are saying he shouldn't have done that. And, um, it just, it's sort of the same sort of thing where like people have their different feelings about how those things are, even when it's real, not just when it's fantasy, you know, everybody's got an opinion on it. Right. So, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's cool to see all that stuff sort of play out. I agree with you. Like it's fun to watch how society reacts to certain things um, because it really tells us a lot about the world we're living in. Right.
1: It's definitely a mirror to society. Uh, And what is, what is, what is what isn't acceptable, what, and, and how can we justify things? What, what level, what level of gray is okay. And but I
0: think that's what's beautiful about it. That's what why romance is because people deride romance, but actually, when you think about it, yeah, it's it's the cutting edge of the cultural conversation. And you spoke about how people deride your romance being formulaic, but I almost think of it as long form poetry or a song. A song has a melody and a chorus, and things, as you said, you expect you know, whatever the song is, you kind of know where it's going to go next. And if it doesn't go that way, it's jarring to you. And I think that's what romance is as well. So I think it's an art form, it's like. The fact that when you delve into it, it has these really thorny, difficult conversation starters, elevate it as, a, as an art form. And I think people should pay more respect to it as a genre.
1: Well, as an artist, thank you. Um, I Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, romance is the best-selling genre out there. It, it sells amazingly so. Um, but it does, I think it also receives a lot of hate. Um, probably because it is a more woman, female based genre. Um, And it does have that formulaic quality, but like you said, uh, so does everything. Every murder mystery out there has the same concept, you know, bad thing happens, person comes to investigate it, red herring, red herring answer. It's always the same. The red herrings change. Um, and, And that's fun. And romance has the same thing, but it's, we like what we can expect. And when it doesn't follow that, I don't think people enjoy it as much. Definitely
2: not. For sure. If you write a completely, and we see this all the time where somebody writes a book that is completely outside of the norms, a lot, you know, a lot of times it just doesn't do so well. And, And, you know, it could be a good book, but it's just, it's not what people, are expecting it's not what they wanted to read and it's also harder to market it to to find your audience for it because you know it's a new thing you know maybe once in a while somebody will strike gold and and they'll create some new genre that that will strike with people but a lot of the times if you don't pay attention to your to your audience and your tropes and what they expect you know you're not gonna see the levels of success that you were hoping for
1: Yeah, definitely hitting what people want, but giving them that sense of novelty as well Mm -hmm. um, is huge. But yeah, uh, that's why we love McDonald's, is it's the (laughs) same every time. We know exactly, when I go order a Big Mac, I know that if I order it in Chicago, if I order it in New York, if I order it in Taiwan, I'm going to get a Big Mac and I will be happy with that. Whereas if I go to some hole-in-the-wall restaurant, I end up with the best meal of my life, or I might end up with food poisoning. <laughs> I don't know. I might stick with my McDonald's that I know exactly what I'm going to get. Um, I, yeah, I think I'm sure. better than McDonald's. I think I'm at least in an inequality. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> oh, no, no,
0: you're perfectly right about McDonald's. McDonald's is consistent and it always tastes delicious. And sometimes you go to Paris and they have something completely crazy there that is you don't have in America, but you try it. but You know, you're going to like it because you kind of know that whatever you get from McDonald's, you're going to like
1: Exactly. I love the pineapples on hamburgers in um, Hawaii. They put pineapples on them and it's amazing. It's fantastic. Uh, I, uh, and, but I know it's a McDonald's hamburger and, and I know that if I don't like it, I can go back up to the counter and be like, Hey, not for me. And they'll be like, here, have some free fries. Um, So I'm going to walk away happy no matter what. And I think that as an author is important to always be able to have something that, your reader will walk away being like, maybe that wasn't the best for me, but I'm I'm still happy with what I got. I still got enough of what I expected. Um, and to be a successful author, you can't just be trying new stuff all the time. A little bit's good, but you gotta, if you wanna be successful, you have to give people what they want.
0: Yeah, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Isn't the the whole art, thing of being an artist is you tell the story you want to tell in a way that people want to have it told to them.
2: Right. For sure, and so when you look at like so billionaire romance um what are the what are the commonalities between maybe all billionaire romance that sort of makes it uh really resonate with people
1: Ah, so coming back on topic <laughs> <laughs> uh, so billionaires, I really think that there is like I said, that Prince Charming Cinderella kind of ability. Um, you know, it's a rich, powerful man that has decided that you, as the reader, are so amazing that he sees your awesome sauce and wants to be with you, wants to change for you, wants to give you the world, and he actually has the capability to do that. Um, you've got your different flavors in there with your your dark, more... Uh, Christian Grey kind of romances. You've got your more cinnamon roll ones, but I think that's a very big commonality through all of them is that he, this powerful, rich man who could have anyone in the world, wants you um, as the reader, and that, that's that's very powerful and very uh, addicting to have someone better than you uh wanting you you know it's the the popular kid wants you ooh um it's it's a common trope prince charming comes and saves you he's and he takes you away from your horrible life and uh fixes everything and i think that's the thing that all billionaire romances have in common is that um not necessarily save but make better and have picked you they chose you are the chosen one in this situation um
0: it's funny, yeah. you were saying how like you're there it's all about falling in love a hundred times, except maybe it's all about you read a hundred books and it's somebody falling in love with you a hundred times, and that's what makes it so warm and fuzzy inside.
1: Whoa. I like that. That's
0: good. That's quite good. I know, I know.
1: <laughs> you should be an author or you know, write a <laughs> podcaster or something.
2: <laughs> yeah, the I think I like that idea that, you know, you're the um the billionaire can have anything he wants. He's a billionaire, right? He can buy whatever he wants. He can do whatever he wants, but he's chosen you. And that's, I think you're right, that that's one of the the big draws to it. When, especially when you can, as, as a reader, you put yourself in the role of that person that he's choosing. And that's, you know, that's the big draw there for sure.
1: Oh yeah. Being, getting picked first for the kickball team. Uh, the popular <laughs> kids right. all about you. Um, that's right. That's such a powerful feeling you know to to get picked <clears throat> excuse me to be prom queen or um you know the winning an oscar that everyone likes you and so having a powerful person pick you to be their life partner is this kind of thrilling feeling even in in the pages of a book and so i think that's really the big appeal for billionaire romance is just a powerful person who could have anything wants you um and that that cinderella like picked from obscurity your normal life and he's he's searching the globe for you kind of thing is is a really good feeling and works really well for romance novels
2: yeah for sure
0: so in terms of the character arcs, uh, like, do your billionaires go through a character arc? I guess there's that, that that signature moment of sacrifice that you have to have in a romance story sort of towards the end. But you also have a similar sort of story arc for your female characters. And like, how does, how does that take form and how does it intersect the, the billionaire one?
1: Yeah, no, that's a lot of fun. Um, and it can vary so much, which is a lot of the fun of it. Um, a lot of times I have uh, strong women who have to decide that if they want to be involved with a billionaire. Cause there's a lot of responsibility that comes along with that. Um, in, in saltwater kisses, she, her dream is to become a veterinarian. Well, if she's married to a billionaire, she's just going to get sued to oblivion. If she's a veterinarian, because anytime she touches an animal, somebody's be like, Oh, she's got deep pockets. I can, you know, so she's like, I, if I marry him, I will be able to maybe do some, uh, charity work, you know, stuff like that, but that I won't be able to be a veterinarian the way that I dreamed. And so she has to come to terms with that and she ends up running a uh, animal charity. And so she's able to work around that, um, spoiler, uh, okay. <laughs> she, uh, but, uh, how, as a billionaire's wife, you're always in the public eye. Is that something that you are interested in? Is that a sacrifice that you are willing to make for this love. Um, So that's a common arc. And just, and then also the, um, am I worthy? A lot of these women, and I think a lot of women in general are, don't think highly enough of themselves. And then, you know, this powerful man chose them. Well, why did they chose me? Is there, what's the reason? Am I actually worthy? Am I, am I as good as he thinks I am? And so that's a, a nice character arc for them to kind of have to figure out and go through and how that works in their lives.
0: I, th- I love that. And that's, and that is interesting. That when you sometimes have your dreams uh, grant wishes granted, like in marrying a billionaire or something, you're right. Suddenly a whole host of new problems come up that people hadn't even thought of.
2: So how are you coming up with all, so how many billionaire books have you written at
1: this point? Um, Let's see. I have, 35 books out. Um, and I think 30 of them are billionaires. Um, I, I've sort of, um, I have a couple of uh, royalty romances, which which are very similar. Um, yeah, that's, that counts. I mean,
2: They're billionaires, right? I mean, yeah, you can't the, be the a rich- king, a poor king. Come
1: on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but just kind of that that life of privilege and money, picking uh, a commoner and uh, coming up with that. Uh, so I tr- stick with that. Um, I've done a couple of small town romances, uh, but they never seem to do as well. Um, I guess I'm, I'm I'm a billionaire girl, so. <laughs> well, I was
0: gonna say, do you, which ones do you enjoy writing most? Because I think the intersection um, of when you write what you enjoy writing most, and it's your most successful, that's the sweet spot, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I, I really do like the billionaire and the royalty romance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that little bit of fantasy, that little bit extra, um, you know, small town, it it feels too real to me, feels yeah. too close to home. Um, I like the little bit of extraordinary. Um, so I think that's where I like the billionaire writing them more. And basically, my biggest one is just me coming up with how in the world does a normal person end up meeting a billionaire? So I've got uh, one girl, she's a lawyer. That's how she met a billionaire. Uh, this girl won a vacation. That's how she became a billionaire. Um, this one has a business that the billionaire is going to buy. Um, another one has, uh, that she is an ecologist trying to save an area and he's a billionaire real estate mogul. Um, and so how do normal people end up interacting with billionaires and how would you go about that is usually where I get the, the basis for the beginning of a story and then just kind of goes from there
0: I love that and you know that's very interesting you talk about romance being formulaic but it's kind of when you're a good writer like you are you come up with your strong you come up with your your characters who are very fully formed already and then put them into that situation how does the normal girl meet the billionaire and I guess from that point the characters just the way they would interact kind of writes the story for
1: you oh definitely um one of the big things in writing that I was told to to come up with your plot is for romance, come up with two characters that shouldn't be together. And how do you make them come together? Um, and that will give you most of your romantic plot. Um, and then you can throw in, you know, like a hurricane or whatever else needs to go in there. But a lot of the drama can just come from these two diametrically opposed people who fall in love. And how does that work? Um, I think a really good example of this is in Bridgerton. She does this marvelously well with, um, I just watched the second season. We have uh, Kate who has said, I will never get married. And then we have the Duke who is like, I must get married. And like, how do we, we have a diametrically opposed thing here. How do we get around that? Um,
0: I, love, I love that. That's, that show is great.
1: <laughs> she does so much good in those, that I love that series. It's. It's good.
2: So uh, have you tried to marry the billionaire in the small town at all? I mean, it seems like that's the, um, the, there's the, the how did she meet him sort of answer right there is somehow he came to a small town, <laughs> you know, like, and then you sort of get those two together. right? Or he came from
1: uh, yeah, the same I,
0: small town. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yes. That's a good one. Um, I actually, I do have a series where he's moved back to the small town. Um, because he's tired of being a billionaire. Um, yeah. And then that causes things. Um, yeah, I wrote a whole series with that because I love, I do I do like the idea of a small town. It's just that it feels too normal. So I need something. Um, I would love to write werewolves, but that's a little bit not quite my genre. So <laughs> uh, I'll stick with billionaires. They, they feel a little more realistic. I can work with that. But yeah, I love coming up with how would a billionaire go to a small town? Why would he be in a small town? Um, Who would he marry in this small town? Why would they want to marry him? Uh, Or at least date. We don't have to do the whole marriage thing. It can.
2: I'm still stuck on the idea of being bored being a billionaire.
1: (laughs) I'm like, how would
2: I
0: ever get bored being a billionaire? <laughs> How many convertibles do you have to shoot into space before you're like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> can To go and start fishing or something? Yep, yeah, just start another uh, company.
1: When when you can buy anything, what, what do you do when you can't buy anymore? And You don't want to start a rocket company. I don't know. Um, yeah,
2: I guess that's true. Not everyone wants to start a rocket company. Uh, most of the billionaires do,
0: but not all of them.
1: If I were a billionaire, I would start a rocket company. That just sounds amazing.
0: (laughs) I think in Back to the Future, Doc Brown is like, I'm going to give up science and uh, research the final mystery, women. And maybe that's it. Elon (laughs) Musk is going to be like, oh, we conquered space. now Now to understand the most mysterious thing of all. Well, that's—I mean—he's got that brain interface company that he's uh, working on. I think that's probably
2: like the inevitable conclusion to that. He's—he's he's pretending that it's something else, but at some point, it's like I'm going to now understand the female brain. Now so, I so those.
1: Elon Musk will become the next romance writer. Of he'll—he'll he'll be the next E.L. James. He's going to write the next big one with his thought brain thing. He's just going to come. Yeah, you know, to it's kind per- of scary.
0: You think maybe he's just going to reprogram everyone to. To, you know, to, just to like him or To no, love right. and a Billionaire.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I'll be lined up at his house.
0: Well, we are ah, nearing the. That. We're nearing the top of uh, forty-five minutes, but this has been such a fascinating discussion. I know we could probably go on for uh, a lot, lot longer. But Krista, tell us what you're working on now, and where people who have been fascinated by what you've been saying can go and find more, more, more from you.
1: Sure. Um, I am working on a royal romance right now. I'm hoping to have it out late summer. Um, it is uh, set in a made up European country, but uh, basically, my prince needs an heir, and so he is recruiting to find someone who can give him an heir. So that's the that. What plot. a Tinder
0: bio that would be.
1: Yes, he is. Uh, and and luckily he he's found a girl that will will do the job um, and how this is going to work out for them. Um, it's so much fun. It's it's definitely a very sexy, fun book and I'm loving writing it. Um, and if you want to know more updates, you can find me on I'm on Facebook and I am on TikTok and Instagram and I don't really do much Twitter, so I'm on Twitter, but I never answer Twitter. So.
0: Elon Musk is buying 9% of Twitter just to get your attention.
1: Yeah. Ah, I see. Me. All right. Well, if he's going to go to that much trouble, I guess I can meet once in a while.
0: That's how you're going to meet your billionaire.
1: <laughs> I, I hope Sean's oh. all right with this this three-way with Elon Musk. He, he probably will be. It's He likes rockets. It's fine. We'll just send him off to the Rocket <laughs> Museum. That sounds great.
0: Come. That sounds like happy ever after for guys. <laughs> for everybody.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, just, Craig, any last uh, thoughts? Uh Thank you so much for having me on here. This was so much fun. Um, go read Billionaire Romance. I love Billionaire Romance. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Um,
2: and, uh, th- thanks so much for for joining us too. I mean, this has been a great talk. And I think it's clear that um, we'll have to have you on again, because there's lots more that we can talk to uh, in terms of, you know, the whole nuts and bolts of writing romance in general. That's a topic that lots of authors want to hear about. Right. So, um, yeah. Thanks for, for joining us and um, hopefully we can
0: get you back on very soon.
1: I, I would love that. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast.
0: That's wonderful. Well, Krista, we really, really appreciate it. And to those of you who are listening, tuning in on YouTube or on our podcast, please make sure to, to give Krista a like down below. Or And if you're not subscribed already, subscribe to our podcast. All of the details, links to, to her stuff are going to be down below as well. And join us again next week for another episode of Fully Booked. Thank you very much for joining us. <laughs>